What's up, everyone? Welcome to, to the North Lees Jits podcast, episode 117. Shout out to all the Master Chief fans out there. Uh, <laughs> Wade's like, why is that? <laughs> it's, a, it's a Halo reference. Is that uh, gaming? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got Coach Ware on the podcast. Hello. And got Professor Mike on the podcast. Hello. Uh, it's the return of Coach Way. You've been on just once before, right? Yeah, I've only been away once, yeah. No, you've been on the podcast Oh, once. yeah, I've been on the podcast once, but I think that was... No, it must be more than that. Collaboratively, yeah. no, I think. Hmm. We went through the MOT, the first one. The uh, second one was also the MOT as well. Yeah. You've been away for a while, I'm back, so I wanted to get you back on. Yeah. A short while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Felt like a long time. Did it? Oh, you You were still working though, right? I was still working. Yeah, very, very grateful. Give us the overview, where have you been? Uh, so, I went to Malaysia, um, started off in Kuala Lumpur, then ended up, went north up to Penang, then went across the country to this island called the Pahentian Islands, where I dived and got really sick. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a Monday and we were like seven hours ahead, I think, um, which I loved, by the way, being ahead of you guys, because yeah. I was like getting up and getting my work done. I'm like, it's only like 6am over there. Um, and I knew that the meet, the manager's meeting was coming up and I thought, I can't even sit up. Yeah. So I left him a voice and I was like, I'm lying on my side with a pillow What's between up? my legs and I'm really sick because I don't know. What I've, did you say? Have you been diving before? I've never dived before. I did my open water with Paddy. Oh, I've done the open water. Yeah, it's like a week long thing, like five days. Yeah, it's like a few days. And we did loads of stuff like on the, like the ground. Ground, do you call it the ground? The seabed. Yeah. <laughs> the seabed, yeah. So it was like whipping up quite a lot of sand, yeah. right? And everything when you're underwater, everyone's like really slow and like magnified and everything. Um, so I did my stuff and there was another guy that was doing it with me um, and the instructor. And so I was watching him doing his stuff and then all of a sudden I was like, mm. and I could feel it come up. In the water? Whilst I was like, oh, with yeah. like my, um, what's it called again? The mouthpiece yeah. regulator. And then I didn't know this, I researched it after, but do you know you can actually be sick with your regulator inside? And it, obviously the sick just come, like, just... Were you sick underwater then? Was it I didn't know, I inflated. I inflated, went to the surface and was just like... And then in the morning I had chicken sausages. Um, so that really put me off meat. And that's when I... That, well, that's the turning point when I turned veggie. Because like now... Turned veggie, have you? Have you turned... Are you still? <laughs> I'm a bit like... I eat white meat because I'll tell you that later. But I got to the Philippines and it's Foreshadowing. like... Foreshadowing. <laughs> I'm, I'm a faux, faux veggie. No, I got to the Philippines and I was like... Yeah, vegetarianism doesn't exist here unless you just want to eat rice. <laughs> so I started eating chicken. But anyway, so yeah, and like even now I can like see the chicken sausages like floating on the water. Oh, no. How have we got onto this? Because you asked me where did I get from? What did I do? So. Well, well yeah, but I mean, you were sick in Kuala No, not Kuala Lumpur, the Pahentian Islands. Yeah, and then um, I tried it again, took a day off, tried it again the next day. 
um, and this time we went like 12 meters and for whatever reason, I just could not equalize my ears. And then I felt a bit panicked um, and I was like, I don't think I, I, I want to do it. Like I don't think. It's a fair depth set of talking, isn't it? You do you think? Saying? Yeah, I think so. Like for, when you're new yeah. to diving, I think well, two meters feels deep. It's like twelve. It's quite a long way. Oh, down, thanks. Thanks for making me feel better. Yeah. Because yeah. then the advanced open water, I think it goes to forty meters. Oh. Um, so anyway, so like, okay, cool. He calls the boat over. Comes over, and I think this. I was thinking this boat's going to take me back to mainland, like to the island. Now just sit on it for half an hour whilst they finish their thing. Just bobbing up and down. And again, I'm just like sick over the boat. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like such a bad experience. Have you ever been seasick? No, no, I'm mean, seasick. It's horrible, isn't it? It's not a nice thing. How do you adapt? You do adapt. And when I used to, when I started training for the ocean row, I'd go out off Harleypool and I'd maybe do like two or three hours. I'd come back. I wasn't sick, but I forgot that it's a French term that's used and it's where you still feel motion sickness on land for a long time and like for about a day after I'd be like whoa and your body just adapts to it the equalization is because your eyes are seeing something different to what your body's feeling and so your body can't compute the two and just gets closer and closer and closer and then you can do 40 odd days at sea and it's fine well yeah because the guy who was on this boat bobbing up and down with me he was fine I was having a cigarette and everything yeah. I was like oh that makes me feel even more sick yeah. Um, as soon as you start right. thinking about it, then you start to go, don't you? And oh, then, really? And then you can't bring yourself back. It's just, once you start to be sick, it's like, it all comes out. I read, I don't know if this is true, because your eyes are seeing something, your body's doing something different, your body thinks you're being poisoned, and oh. that's why you're sick. Really? Because it thinks you've, in, you've ingested something poisonous. Chicken sausages. And so, chicken sausages, <laughs> yeah. Gross. Well, but apart from being sick in the Peninsula Islands, whatever it's called... What else did you do? Um, okay, so after Pahentine Islands, I went back down to Kuala Lumpur, flew to Phnom Penh, so the capital of Cambodia. And you didn't like Cambodia, did I you? I did not. Everyone told me that I was going to love it. And I just didn't. It just wasn't my country. I mean, I did only go to two places because I just wasn't feeling a vibe. Mm. And I don't know if you know much about the history of... Pol Pot and all yeah. that. Yeah. That, so that's... Massacred tens of millions. Yeah, in very recent history as well. <clears throat> yeah. So the not, not spoken about though in kind of Western education really. It's always talked about the Nazis and what they did to the Jews, but Mao, Mao is China and Stalin's Russia and yeah. Pol Pot. I mean, they killed ten times more than Hitler did, yeah. if not more. Um, so for Phnom Penh, there's not really other, much to do other than going to like the killing fields and all that. So I guess. Is it a bit like in going to like Alfwich, you know, like... I'm going to Auschwitz in November. Is that Krakow? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it was very, it was very harrowing, mm. but it was good to learn about their history. Mm. And then I went to Siem Reap, which is like Angkor Wat, you know, like all the temples and stuff. As I went, uh, the day that we were there, it was the spring equinox. So, you know, when the, is it like the sun aligns with something? Mars. <laughs> yes, so yeah, the sun came once it came up, it was sat exactly at, like the middle of this point, which was amazing. Um, I see, I went to Cambodia. I was gonna do two weeks, did eight days because I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And I thought, there's no point. It's a nice thing about traveling though, isn't it? You can be kind of flexible, and free, yeah, can't you? Like, you can just move on, especially being a solo traveler, yeah. um, and not having to like compromise with anyone. 
How did you find that, by the way? Because you're quite a sociable person, aren't you? So, like, travelling alone, was that something you were nervous about or were you excited about it? And... No, I love... I really liked it. I just liked the freeness of it and... Um, because I was staying in hostels, it's, like, quite easy to meet people. Mm. But at the same time, like, I'm happy to, like, do my own thing. And that's why I liked working, because it meant that I could just go off to a cafe if I just... My social battery was down. Mm. Like, I couldn't imagine, like, just waking up and being like, hmm, what to do today? And not really want to do the sites and whatever. And So, yeah, I'm, that's why I'm really grateful that I was working whilst I was travelling. Um, at the only point that I felt lonely and felt a bit sorry for myself was when I was in the northern part of Vietnam I got to a place at the hostel that I wanted to stay at that everyone was like yeah when you go there stay at this hostel it's really nice they were fully booked so I stayed in like a they call it a homestay but it's like um kind of like a bed and breakfast and um so you had like a private room not very social it rained non-stop for the two days that I was there visibility was really poor and it was all about seeing like the lakes and the landscape and stuff but there was no point in doing that because I couldn't see anything and I felt quite lonely there yeah and then I moved on so yeah so like I was booked for three nights but I just said to them I'm just going to do two if that's okay mm. and in terms of the overall experience kind of the people listening I suppose who would dream of the idea of um you know going traveling and stuff like that would you recommend it or would you recommend that kind of part of the world yes oh a thousand percent like, so one of the reasons why I did jiu-jitsu, I joined, was because I knew that I wanted to go solo travelling. And mm. I thought, oh, it's a good way of, like, feeling confident. Oh, nice. So that's why I joined. And it's a way of having a community. Mm-hmm. So I've done CrossFit in the past. So it's always been like, oh, I'll just pop into a box and, like, I'll, like, meet people from, like, CrossFit. Um, I thought, well, how else can I expand my connections if I'm going solo traveling so that's another reason why I joined jiu-jitsu but I didn't train when I was away (laughs) but there were moments you had it in your locker just in case yeah obviously and there were moments I never felt unsafe but I always thought in the back of my head like say I was in Bangkok and it was like quite late and if something happened to me I would like to think that I know enough self-defense from jiu-jitsu to be able to look after myself. Hmm. Well, even the thought of thinking that, I think, is puts you so far ahead of where you would be. Because most people don't even consider that they might be unsafe at any point. Yeah. Or don't even think about it. So you're at a disadvantage already because the element of surprise is already there and then you literally are equipped to deal with it. Where if nothing else, even if it's in your head like, I think I might be all right. Because if someone grabs me here, I'm going to shout my head off and, you know, just make sure I've got a good base. I don't get pushed on the floor. Like, that's so far ahead of where you yeah. And that's great, isn't it? Yeah, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm going to take this person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't thinking that. You don't need to do that, do you? You literally just like, swing your head off and back in back Just off, feel, yeah, thing. be, like, confident and, like, yeah. then they're like, oh, crap, she's not going to, like... There's an easier target out there, right? Yeah. Than someone who's fucking screaming back at you 100%. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um... Yeah, would I would I recommend that part of the world? Yes, um, I, I like I said, I felt safe, like pretty much the whole time. Everyone's really friendly. It's really cheap. Um, 
most places it's easy to get around. Like I did south to north of Vietnam, literally just on like getting a coach. Like but they call them buses, mm-hmm. like just night buses and just yeah. getting around and stuff. But I got to the Philippines and they don't, it's, the infrastructure is not like most parts of Southeast Asia, I imagine. Um, so you need to know how to ride a motorcycle. I don't know if you know, but I don't know how to ride a bicycle. What, yeah, you don't know a bicycle? Like a bike. push bike. You don't know how to ride a push bike? No. <laughs> never ridden a push bike? I've never ridden a push bike. Wow. Ever. I imagined you'd be like, when I picture you, I think, <laughs> no, no, I picture you on a bike with a basket on the front with cakes in it and stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah, like that. a straw hat. Just, yeah, just <laughs> That'd suit you as well. A barry. Like a jiu-jitsu, yeah, barry on the back with like a jiu-jitsu gi just floating in the wind. And <laughs> no, my parents disempowered me. By not teaching me. My mum can't ride a bicycle. Oh. Still. She's in the 60s. Wow. This highlighted what a serious lifestyle it was because I contacted, I looked for like a motorbike, or not motorbike, but like a moped scooter rental company in the island that I was at in the Philippines. Um, British guy, really lovely. And I was like, hey, Jack, just so you know, I've never really done a push bike before. So can I have like a scooter lesson? before I actually commit to renting a bike because this is the only way to get around the island. And then he was like, yeah, of course, you'll be fine. Like, um, so I met him, took me to this like really long, quiet bridge um, that's just straight. Yeah. Do you not do it? I couldn't do it. I can't balance. I don't know how to balance because I don't, I've never ridden a push bike mm. before. So I could walk the scooter and like find the biting point but once I had to put my feet in, I was like, oh. <laughs> and he was so patient. He was like, do you want to go again? I was like, yeah. He's like, you want to go again? So yeah. And then he was like, yeah, I don't think. <laughs> then eventually was like, I don't think we're going to get it today. <laughs> and I was like, how do you balance? And the faster like, you go, the easier it is as well. Yeah. That's the... And he was like, you know what? I've, I've must have taken it for granted because I've known how to ride a bike since the age of like three, four. Yeah, wow. Okay. I've never really thought like, how do you, how do you tell someone, how do you teach someone how they balance on a bike? When you just, when it's like a natural instinct. Mm. Because you've well, when you're teaching so a kid to do it, like I remember teaching my, my boys to ride a bike and it just happens, doesn't it? You just, they can't do it, they can't do it, they can't do it, they can't do it. And then, oh, oh, they're now riding a bike. Like it happens. But I think at that early age, it just must be much easier, but. Fearless. Fearless perhaps, yeah. But also learning on a motorcycle isn't the best way to do it. <laughs> he did say, he was like, oh, you know what, every time you've got a free bike. 30 miles an hour. Yeah, he was like, I'll call you. On a bridge. Come up. Blop. <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was like, you know, you can just practice. All you need is someone to give you time to practice. Yeah. And I was like, mm, Jack, I think I need to practice on the push bike first. Yeah. I can't go from zero to like a million. I need to go from like zero to 10. So I've been looking at adult... Um, Cycle lessons. Oh, cool. In Leeds. They do them in Port Newton Park. Do they? So, yeah, if anyone's in Port Newton Park, you might see me wobbling <laughs> around <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon. Well, that'd be good. That'd be good. And so, what are you up to now you're back? Obviously, still working with us. Still here. Which is good. Um, removing stuff from my storage unit, which is not very exciting, but it has to be done because after travelling, I realised that, like, I can live out of a backpack. I mean, I wouldn't want to do that for the rest of my life. There's lots of things that I'm like, it made me think like, oh, I've got so much stuff like I don't actually need. That's a great um, lesson. Yeah. 
it's just the stoics used to talk about that didn't they like it can confuse your mind it can make it can weigh heavy on your mind having all that choice Jamie George Buchanan kind of in lockdown got rid of all his clothes apart from three sets of black training gear that were identical and like he only had three sets of clothes to choose from one was in the wash one was drying and one he could wear and he just knew every day he got up he put the same shit on and it was like he said Obviously, you can't live your life like that forever, but the idea of it, the Stoics would talk about, like, it would, in the distance, be able to talk to this loads. But it just, it's one lesson to think about. It's yeah. clarity. It's like, it's another decision you don't have to make. And, like, all that stuff in storage is, is a problem you have to go and solve at some point. Yeah. So if it's not there or there's less of it, you just, it's a, it's a lesser burden. Yeah, 100%. And they're all, like, things that give me pleasure. They don't give me, like, happiness. Right. They're just things that I can, you know, I can find pleasure doing other stuff. Like... Baking cakes. When are the cakes coming back? When are the baking cakes I know. Back? Everyone wants to know, not me. Okay. The listeners I've got know. some apples that need... That need... Crumbling. <laughs> Crumbling. Oh, that's a good one. But that's not really baking. All right. <laughs> I saw an apple crumble kind of tray bake thing the other day, I'm sure that. I think I've done something like that before. Made a cake and then... Yeah, you have done that here. Done a crumble. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, have. I remember it vividly. Yeah. So, yeah. Very um, cool. So, I mean, for those who didn't catch the first episode with you, how would you describe your role with us? Don't say loose. Like, what do you what do? You, what do, you do? <laughs> um, so... Because people won't see it, like, day to day. No, they don't. Um, so, development champion. So, helping develop develop the business yeah. in terms of like creating data and metrics analysis um analyzing the member experience um, so one of the initiatives was when we sat down last year was i said i want to know how members feel mm -hmm. so that's when we introduced the mot and that's been a big success for, for us anyway and hopefully for the members as well they've seen i think we've enhanced it massively yeah. Um, and being a student myself, I feel like I can bridge that gap of like what it feels like because you guys live and breathe jujitsu. So I introduced, so I introduced, I initiated the mentoring program. Yeah. Because I thought that would be really invaluable for like a peer to peer um, coaching and just building more that community and everyone's elevating each other's BJJ journey. Yeah. Um, got the recognition stuff coming online soon. We've been doing that for the kids already, right? But we've got some very cool stuff to be handed out around the summertime, which we waited for you to come back to I do because it's been such a long project. I've been emails all Have you seen the stuff, have you? Have you seen it? I have not because oh, there's been people office. around I will get it out to look at it and I was like, no, no. You should have shown one on here. She was, she could do it. No, 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 no. No, no. no. Okay, we're not doing that. No, it should be a surprise. <laughs> okay. Because um, that's exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, under, that comes under, like, yeah, recognition, member experience, just making everyone feel listened, heard, valued. Yeah. And I think, you know, we wanted to invest as much as we could in that member experience. But I, I, you, you've kind of said it there. I think the, the development champion role is two things, isn't it? It's developing the member experience, which we're all about, and investing in that. It's also developing our ability to understand our business better. And like we've had some real clarity, haven't we, on... Because um, we have to remember, we talked about this before, but we are a business, and if we want to keep the lights on and keep that experience as good as it can be, then we need to make sure we understand where we're at. 
Yeah. And so being able to do that in a really well, you know, getting some kind of really detailed insights on where we're strong, where we can get better, it's been amazing for me. And I've enjoyed it because I love a spreadsheet. You do love a spreadsheet. You're good at spreadsheets. Um, a formula. So I've enjoyed it's been brilliant, putting that together and growing that reporting analysis. Mm. But like I said, not diverting from what we do, which is people. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome, man. Um, T, how are you? You're struggling with your hay fever. I know, I'm having a tough day today. Uh, You're very quiet on the podcast. That's I know. you can't talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you if it's all right to go back a bit on your travels. Um, was there anything that stands out to you that was not planned at all, just spontaneous, but it's like one of your favourite memories from the trip? Yes. <clears throat> and it happened very, very late on. Um, so I said to someone the other day, um, we're at this the bridge, same bridge that I did my uh, little the infamous <laughs> yeah it's called Sunset we call it Sunset Bridge so everyone goes there to watch the sunset so it's this island called Shargao which is the surf capital of the Philippines um, so it's really chilled and laid back and yeah kind of vibes and um, people there are like you know longboarding and yeah. there's like food vendors there's people there's like this red van um, which I found out was my tattooist's actual car. But what they do is just have a sound system, open the back doors, and it's just like playing music for the whole bridge. It was just really cool. Anyway, so this was on the Monday. I was leaving on the Wednesday. So Monday, we were like, let's go to Sunset Bridge. Okay, Sunset Bridge, we're just chilling. And then a group of um, a group of us, like half of them were like, oh, we're going to go and, and get a boat and go and look at the plankton and the fireflies. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Oh, I was like, I don't like flies. <laughs> so I didn't want to go. I was like, I don't want to go. And then I was with this girl, and like Cheryl, um, she was like, no, come. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Why not? What else would I be, would have been doing? Would have got back to the hostel, put my stuff down, gone to get dinner or whatever. Like the same thing that I've been doing. Because I stayed there for like 23 days on this island. Oh, wow. Um like, so I still had my laptop with me because I've been Monday, obviously, I'm working. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get on a boat. I'm like, you know. And then um, Cheryl was just like, no, do it. Come. And I was like, yeah, you know what, come. And it was one of the most magical experiences I've ever had. And I kept saying to Cheryl, I'm so glad you told me to come. Why? What was magic about it? Um, describe it to us. No light pollution. The stars, I felt like I was floating, sat in this boat. I was like, am I on mushrooms or something? <laughs> it's mega, isn't it, the sky? It's yeah. unreal, yeah. absolute unreal. And did you see any shooting stars? Did you see? No, stars? but Shell said she did spot some on the island. Yeah, as well, it's um, so yeah, and then I've never seen fly fast. I thought it just could be covered in these flies. And it wasn't, it was just like, they were just in these like bushes, if I guess. I can't see because it's dark, right? You see this black shadow and then you see all these... Have you seen fireflies before? No. It just... It looks like a Christmas tree. There's just loads of them. Oh, wow. You can't take photos because it just doesn't come up very well. Then plankton's like the luminescent. Bioluminescence, yeah. yeah. So as um, you move through it, it kind of like... Yeah. Like, you do that in the ocean. Because it was pitch black. It was so amazing. I was like, that was so worth it. And I'm so glad I just like let myself be... Because I think sometimes I can be a bit 
too introverted and not just do stuff just mm. because. Mm. What what I what what's interesting about that story to me is you know you travelled to go and you went to some of the most you know, densely populated places around like and 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 there's lots of people involved in your travels but the the one memory you could pluck out wasn't anything to do with people it was to do with nature and that's quite interesting isn't it like um, again like thinking about the ocean row and all that like the, the, those moments where you see the sky for the first time unlike any sky you've ever seen. It's a different fucking, it's like a different connection to the universe. Like, I don't know about you, but you feel like this kind of almost undescribable connection to it. Like you, you imagined yourself floating. You felt like you were floating. That's what it feels. It's like this. Jordan Peterson talks about awe. Like you look at the sky in awe and you're like, oh my God, this is like unbelievable. I know it sounds really cheesy and cliche, but there were just moments where I just felt so like grateful yeah and yeah. like like i'm like oh my god i'm here like i'm alive and i get to witness this of everywhere i could be like i'm here and i had moments of that and that night watching going to see the fireflies was one of those moments totally get it man like it's giving me goosebumps now thinking yeah, about me it too. like i was just like the world the earth is just incredible. Oh God, I sound like I'm high now. I'm really not. No, but <laughs> not this time. <laughs> but I'm not, if you haven't experienced that, and it's it, and, and that's why I say kind of a connection. If if you've not been to a place and experienced awe, like looking at something, and you just feel all those feelings that you describe, you can't really. When someone says it, you do feel like what they're talking about. But like as soon as you experience it. No one can kind of explain it to you. You have to be there and experience it. There is a different connection, I think, certainly to, or I felt a different connection to the whole kind of universe. And that sounds fucking weird for me to say that, but like it is, so like a such a deep level of awe. It's not like anything superficial. It's like deep down inside that connection. Yeah, I'm glad you got to experience that. It, yeah, I found out about a thing called glimmers. Have you heard of glimmers? They're the opposite of triggers. So they're moments of when you feel calm, secure, peace. They induce like feelings of like home, safety. And I feel like there's there are moments of glimmers yeah. where like nothing mattered other than being in this moment that made me feel just really peaceful. Wow. Presence, yeah, like just being there. Yeah. And we're not, we don't do that very well. I, I mean, not about you guys, but most people I think struggle with that, don't they, these days? Like trying to find, I literally complete other end of the spectrum, but I've just been away for 48 hours to try and find some of that for myself, um, to try and find a little bit of quiet and a little bit of presence and just to sit and look at a fell, look at a mountain and yeah. just, just sit there and not do anything else and not have to do five things at the same time. Just like, no. Just sit with yeah. the and just look at that. I feel like I've fallen back into it now. Like yeah. going, like listening to podcasts when I'm just putting like the washing on, or like I, it's like almost I like I can't deal with the nothingness. Yeah. But that's all I wanted when I was away. Um, and it was easier. I guess I don't know. Easier to put everything away. 
Yeah. We've said this a million times, T, so for anyone who listens to this regularly, is there anyone who listens to this regularly, do you think? I think so. Do you think? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, bring this back to jiu-jitsu then just for a moment. Really, there's not many things you can do that take you away from all that connection. That, that kind of digital digital connection. But jiu-jitsu is one of them, like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't have your phone on the mat. Mm. You can't be doing your emails or even thinking about that when you're rolling. Like, you have to go and be really present in the, the moment. I, I don't think, I can't remember, I don't know about you, mate, but having a roll and thinking about something outside of the mat. I might be cognizant of someone else over there or, yo, don't do that or do this or, or but I'm not thinking... What am I having for dinner? Or I've got to do that email later on. Or I've someone WhatsApp me in the last five mm -hmm. minutes. Or his Instagram. Like, like that, those thoughts never come into my mind. I completely agree. Where else can we go and do that? Because, like, just going for a walk around the park, I'm unable to detach myself from that. I did it in the lakes very slightly because I had no phone signal, which is why I chose to go there. So there's no Wi-Fi, no phone signal, no TV, no nothing. So I could only read and think. But Jiu-Jitsu gives us that, doesn't it? And I think that's good for the soul. Definitely, definitely, because like I said, even with CrossFit background, it's like, there's so much, it's quite like a sensory overload, yeah. but here it is like, you literally just like here on the mat. And I saw Tom Patterson in Rand the other day. And <laughs> Standard. Is he always there? Yeah, maybe. Everyone's <laughs> always in Rand. I, I am because I'm at my mum, so I'm like, I need to, I need an external office. Um, and they do a good cold brew. But yeah, I told him, I don't, I don't know how we got into the conversation, but he said that like work had been a lot recently. Yeah. And he was like, he came to coach the kids and then he did the class and he was like, I just felt so good. And I, like work and all that stress just melted away. And I was like, perfect. That's what. Nice guy, Tom, isn't it? He's a good guy. Yeah. Lovely family as well. Nice to have around. And it's good. And I love the fact that we can offer that to people. That little bit of escape without having to go to Southeast Asia to find them. <laughs> um, very cool. Well, you said you were going to talk about something else today, or yeah, we we'll talk got about the freeze freezes, place. and then if you want, we can talk about jujitsu classes. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the freeze policy. So yeah. we're going to write some new copy for the policy, which has, isn't out just yet, but we want to launch this. And to give you a bit of context to why we're doing this and we're announcing this today on the podcast is what we're finding is, and, and this came off the conversation with Professor Lewis at Harrogate initially. We were trying to find a way, weren't we, to reduce the number of people on freeze. So we were finding we were running around about 20 people on freeze, so like 5% of our membership on freeze um, at any one time. And Soaps and yourself were kind of managing that and ensuring that we were staying engaged with those people. But from that 20, at least 50% would never come back. Mm -hmm. Maybe even more. You'd, mm -hmm. you'd know from the data. Anyway, we used to do this initially when we opened and then we stopped doing it because we wanted to give people the chance to freeze if they needed to, for different reasons. Harrogate realised the same thing but before us and changed their freeze policy. And all they simply do is, and what we're going to do, is basically ask for you when you go on freeze to pay for your normal month as you would, mm -hmm. and then you will have a credit in the bank when you come back. Now, we've already seen, we haven't even launched this yet, but we've already seen a number of cases in the last few days of people approaching us to freeze and as soon as I've explained this, they've gone, oh, uh, I'll just cancel that. Because they actually just want to cancel. Yeah. And freezing is a soft way out yeah. for a lot of people. Um, we actually think, and you've made a great point just off air, that actually for a lot of people, being on freeze is a bit of a burden. 
because they probably know they want to leave. Yeah. And then you're ringing them saying, how are you doing? Are you coming back? And they're like, that must, must be stressing people out. Yeah, like that mental load of being like, oh, God, they're ringing me again. It's like having that transparency, yeah. it's just it's easier for both ends, right? Just being like, it's not for me. I'm going to take a break, so it's okay for cancel. Totally fine. Yeah. Like I don't ever want anyone to ever feel like they, you know, are here to the death, you know? Totally, man. Totally. And people's lives change, and it's, it's great, you know, we support everyone, whatever they want to do. But I think we, we're excited to bring this in for us as a business because it's going to cut down on a lot of staff man hours. And, and you and Soaps and Nicola and the people who kind of do a lot of the caring piece, you know, it asks a lot of you as well. It's a load for you to go and check in on people. And if people just have no intention of coming back, then that's a bit of a waste of time. Um, so we'll put some stuff out on the membership groups specifically around when the policy's written. Um, but you can expect that to come in pretty much immediately, certainly at the start of next month. What this means is that we will continue to support people who want to freeze, whether you're injured or you're going through. And I would say to anyone, like, no matter what it is, if it's a financial issue, if it's, you know, come speak to us. You know, everything's on a case-by-case -case basis. Where we can help, we will, of course. Um, and if it means you just need to go and freeze for a month or two to catch up, that's no problem. But if you want to leave, like, the best thing you can do for you and for us is just cancel the membership. And there's no hard feelings, like just go go train someone else or lead jiu-jitsu forever, whatever you want to do. You don't need to go and freeze first. Yeah. And hopefully that'll just streamline and make it just be easy for everybody. So that's a change coming in. Mm -hmm. Have I missed anything on that? No. I think that's all You've we're going to talk about, yeah. And the last thing, mate, we're going to talk about some kids' classes. Maybe just a, a quick one then. How do we feel about... So I was watching some reels... Uh, yesterday, and I see it every now and again, even with adults' classes, where a part of their jiu-jitsu class will be some kind of uh, circuit of where they're like doing some like footwork speed drills, jump through a hoop, you know, some kind of like game that looks like it takes up quite a bit of time in a jiu-jitsu class. And I'm not a parent, but if if I was a parent on the outside looking in, I'd be like. My kid's there, he's like a yellow and black belt, which is in this video. He's jumping through hoops in a jiu-jitsu class. I've paid for him to learn jiu-jitsu. He's already really good at jiu-jitsu if you're a yellow and black belt. He's been doing it for years. <laughs> why is he? Why am I spending time at the jiu-jitsu club developing uh, just athletic game skills instead of just doing what the one place he can learn jiu-jitsu, doing jiu-jitsu? Do you think there's there's a place for it? Because we play a little bit of games, but I feel like they are jiu-jitsu focused. It's like Red Cleaver's a chaos where I'm hitting them on the head and they're covering, level changing, getting the front body lock kind of stuff. Just jumping through hoops is, I've got a, I've got a garden I can make my kid do that if I need to build their athleticism. What do you guys feel about it? I suppose the question I would wanted to be asked, I'd want to ask is, what percentage change in their jiu-jitsu would I see from them doing it? So how much of jiu-jitsu is related to, how much of their proficiency and enjoyment and ability in jiu-jitsu is related to the activity that they're doing? Yeah. So like professional footballers, they're going to train speed work, they're gonna train, but they're going to do most of the stuff with the football, like right, because they're playing football. Um, I, I was just saying off air again, so my, my, my eldest lad, um, obviously academy footballer, wants to play football for a living, super committed to training, got up at six o'clock this morning, he's 13. Dad, I want to go and do some sprint work down the soldier's field. I'm like, okay, it's a bit too early to do sprint work. Do it in the street, and so I know where you are, and that's fine. I was training as well. Then after breakfast, it's like, oh, I'm going to athletics club tonight. I'm like, 
you've just done athletics. And now you're doing athletics again. Like, what are you training to be good at? Football. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you're training to be a runner today. Mm -hmm. So you'd been better off getting up and practicing football for an hour this morning, doing some skill work with the ball, and then athletics training tonight. Mm -hmm. So he's like, oh, that makes sense. So I won't go to athletics club. I'm going to go to the field and play football. So I think there's a balance. I think there's a place for it, but in a very, very small percentage. So like in a warm-up. That's where I'd use something like that. So you're getting people warmed up, you're getting the movement patterns going, you're, you're developing a little bit of endurance or speed or power, but that's literally got to be 5% of the class. The rest of it's got to be jiu -jitsu, man. Yeah, it has to be transferable to the sport mm. that they're doing. Sure. <clears throat> My own head, the, the caveat of it would be, like, if, if that is an enjoyable part of the class and the kids are going to have more fun because they're doing these kind of little circuits and then they stick at jiu-jitsu longer, then that's a net positive. But when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, well, if the only reason they're staying at jiu-jitsu longer is because they play some circuits games, they're not really enjoying the jiu-jitsu, in mm. which case they're probably going to leave eventually anyway. I do, I, it's got to be easy to coach as well. Oh, yeah. Like, There's something to yeah. do with that as well, I think. Like, you know, it's hard to coach jiu-jitsu to a lot of people at the same time, particularly children. It's much easier to get them to play games. So, you know, if I'm being cynical, I'm thinking you're taking the money and you're not doing jiu-jitsu because it's mm. a harder thing to do. Yeah, to be a yellow and black belt, how many years would you say that is? Because it's quite high up on that. Yeah, I mean... Five, what? six yeah, okay. years. They know what they're doing. That's... Yeah, like a good five I would years. Maybe assume you'd probably do something like that with like what we would say, like the LC... Like ones or something. Tiny yeah, yeah, tiny champions yeah. where it's more like fun and games and getting them to enjoy just moving, like we've Correct. talked about in the past. But I don't know, after you've done spent most of like half a decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should be finessing your jiu jitsu yeah. skill out yeah. of This is like the equivalent of like a purple belt, right? Or maybe even yeah. higher. Um, so just to get them to do different kinds of circuits for me in, a, in a, if let's say they run an hour long jiu-jitsu class if you know by the time i know what it takes to set up something like that in terms of time then to get a class for a lot of kids to go through that like that isn't you know five minutes that's that takes much longer than yeah. that and if if you're dedicating that amount of time to uh to doing that i feel like would have they got more benefit from especially at that level doing an extra couple of sparring rounds like yeah probably the only thing I would say is to play devil's advocate I think if it was a specific jiu-jitsu conditioning class for mm. competitors working on passing speed I get that bit like I get it I mean we brought in Baja Fit recently and that is well it's slightly different but that is a jiu-jitsu inspired fitness class right in fact we got some great feedback the other day from uh, a lady on GBF through Kev who's been running Baja Fit it's been going really well great at this time of year to be doing that kind of training in the morning, right? And starting the day feeling good. And she'd been really, um, I won't name any names, but she'd been really nervous about coming to GBF even. And so started coming to Baja Fit as a kind of like softer way in oh. and realised everyone was cool and it was fine and then started training. So that's brilliant. And I think, you know, we're going to consider, you know, developing that Baja Fit offering. So I think if it's a specific class dedicated to fitness or movement, fine. But if you replacing the actual thing you're going to do mm. with something else doesn't seem to work for me. Yeah. We won't be bringing in fitness for kids. 
anytime soon until the jiu-jitsu. No. <sighs> you okay? Yeah, just struggling. Cancelling that uh, hula hoop order from <laughs> yeah. and being bags. Bean bags yeah. kids, kids come to him. Kids come to him every week. They're like, "Can we do sumo games? Can we do like, you know, we'll do some kind of grappling type game with them?" But uh, even then, I'm like, "No, we're here to do jujitsu. <laughs> Let's do jujitsu." Well, Marcelo Garcia again. I always talk about him. though, he's my favourite grappler. But you know, he he always said he'd never train. I mean, the the top level athletes have an S and C program running alongside the jiu jitsu, but he never trained like in the gym. He's like, why would I spend an hour in the gym when I can roll for an hour? Like, I'm trained to be good at this, so I need to be conditioned for this. I need to have the timing and speed for this and the skill for this. So I'm going to do this because there's no amount of Cleaning jerks are going to make you better at jiu-jitsu. Yeah. We've seen this. You, know, you can have the most powerful athletic person walk into the gym. You're still going to get strangled by someone half the size. So you need to be practicing what you want to get good at. Practice like you want to play, as I always say to my eldest. All right, we need to skedaddle. You've got a meeting about to start. Another meeting, yeah. Um, quickly, just before we go, great to see you back. Thanks for everything while you've been away. It's been no, a thanks. pleasure to support you out there. Thank and, you. Um, We've got some exciting stuff coming up. So Summer Gathering, 22nd of July. Coaches Night Out, 13th of July. Um, a very, 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 very big seminar announcement coming up imminently. When would you think we'll be able to confirm that? Got to, we've got a deposit to pay. A lot of money. But So for our third anniversary, which is this December, you'll still be here then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're bringing in the biggest seminar we've put on yet. What? Even I don't know. That's super secret. It's going to be, it's, it's, a, it's huge, isn't it? T sorted it. So, you know, I'll props to you for getting it sorted, mate. Um, but we'll keep it for that. I'm desperate to say it, but we won't say it. Can we even say the date? No. No, nothing. But it's definitely in December. It's in, it's near the beginning of December. If you knew when our first open day was, Ah, oh, okay. It's Sorry. three years to the day. <sighs> if you don't, then you're in the dark. You should have been there three years ago. <laughs> um, but we're going to be celebrating that open day with a huge seminar. First come served, first served. All right. Thanks, Coach Wayne. <laughs> Quick before my tell them about it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm telling everyone. All right. All right. Thanks, Thank you, Coach Wayne. Thank you, Professor Mike. Thank you, guys. Until next time. See you soon. Awesome.